Good morning, woodchuck chuckers. Rise and shine, because it's Groundhog Day. No, I'm kidding. That's uh, Actually, Groundhog Day is not too far off. I think it's next weekend. No, Tuesday. What is this? The 31st. Tuesday. Uh, so that line might work by the time I publish this. <laughs> so, hello. Wherever you are in the world, whatever day it is, whatever time of day. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman. And if you don't know who I am by now, this is, I think, like my almost 60th episode. Like, I don't think I need to explain it anymore. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the beliefs that are blocking money from coming into your life. Because one of the biggest mistakes we make as human beings is we believe that... If we fix the outer world, the inner world will change. And yet, things keep repeating themselves over and over and over again because we didn't change the inner world. This is a mirror reality. When you change the inner world, the outer world will change. Simply by the fact that you perceive it differently, it will change. If you don't believe in magic and law of attraction, simply by the fact that your perception will be different, will be enough to change everything else. Think about it like this. If you see the glass is half empty, you make decisions based on that glass being half empty. Oh, you might be trying to track down the waitress for another glass. I don't know why I'm thinking like it's with a, we're in a coffee shop drinking water or something. But um, um, you might be trying to track down the waitress for you know, a refill or worried about the glass or anxious or what if I get thirsty or whatever. The person sitting across from you sees the glass is obviously, hopefully, a separate glass for germs. <laughs> Maybe they're not concerned about germs. Maybe you're sharing a glass with someone you love. Um, and, uh, you know, if, they, if your perception changes to that of it's half full, you're going to make decisions based on if it's half full. You're going to then not even concentrate on the glass. You're going to concentrate on the conversation you're having with your lover or friend. You're not even going to worry about what the waitress is doing. You know that you'll be taken care of and that when you're thirsty, you'll drink. And then when you drink, someone will come and refill it. Or you might not even want more water, right? So like your perception will change, your vibration, your which means your dominant emotions, your emotions will change of the of everything will be easier. You'll feel better. So simply by the fact that you change your beliefs, you will feel better. This is how we work on the inner world when it comes to money. Well, when it comes to life, really. But when we, come, we fix the inner world, the outer world will change simply by the fact that you'll perceive differently. Have you ever been around those people that are just happy and like bubbly and like, and it's pure. It's not like hiding trauma <laughs> and um, they're just magnetic and you like want to be around them. You want to do stuff for them and you like, I want some of that happiness to rub off on me. That's what happens. Talk about law of attraction. Like. Yeah, okay, manifest a Ferrari, that's all well and good, but what if we were just happy and we made other people happy as a byproduct of our own happiness? What if our vibration, our dominant emotion changed 
people around us. It's totally possible. And that's what we're talking about here. How do we change our beliefs around money so that our perceptions change around it and our feelings of it change? Because if you really believe that your more money will make you feel better about it, it's not going to work. If you haven't figured that out by now, good luck. Let me tell you something. I've been on every end of the spectrum with money. And I had to learn this for myself. So if you have to learn this for yourself, then that's fine. You know, experience is the best teacher. Wisdom, however, is getting feedback from somebody who's already been down that path. But, or really it's listening to your inner, your heart and your inner voice and learning from that. But, I mean, I promise you, there's nothing at the top of the mountain. There's nothing there. It's just more you. So, like, I've been on every end of the spectrum. I've been broke to the point where I've been homeless. And I've had what most people would consider a lot of money, even in America. And it didn't change my inner state for more than a day. For more than a day. What's funny... My good friend Kyle's and mentor Kyle Cecil say, I think he's actually quoting uh, Conan O'Brien. That's right, he is. I could have just skipped that whole part. Conan O'Brien once said, though I haven't researched this, still true no matter where it came from though, the best thing you can do is, the best thing that could ever happen in your life is to experience your worst fear so that you're not afraid of it anymore. And I don't mean like, my worst fear is of my children dying before me or something. I mean like the fear that limits you from uh, from growth, right? My worst fear is of growing. My worst fear was of being broken and being homeless. And I experienced it. Twice, actually. <clears throat> and now, I don't fear it anymore. Because I've been there. It's actually kind of peaceful. Rock bottom is an interesting place to be. It's like, oh, now that I'm here, I'm still breathing. My heart's still beating. Weather is still happening. Sun still comes out tomorrow. Still wake up and go for a walk. And I still talk to God. I still learn about myself. I still listen to my teachers. I'm still like, I'm still me. So change the inner world. The outer world will change. So what are we going to talk about today? I've maybe never said this before in any of these podcasts, but it would behoove you to listen to the last one that I did first, because a lot of this is not going to make any sense. I'm not going to recap too much of the last one, but we have to talk about the other side of things. Oh, excuse me. So the last one was all about your deserving. People come to me all of the time 
And it's not about that. It's about we are like deeply inflicted with this disease called we we don't deserve. We don't deserve money. We don't deserve the life that we want. We don't deserve a healthy body. We don't deserve true love. We don't deserve unconditional love of God. So listen to that one. This is like part two of that. It's the other side of the door. I'll give you the analogy again, but I'm not going to go deep into the deserving. It might come up a little bit, but... The analogy that I use is when we believe money is the root of all evil, or when we believe evil exists, or actually the deepest, the deepest rooted belief is beneath that, all of that. The number one belief that blocks us from source energy, from God, universe, all that is, unconditional love, is that God would limit love for any reason. That's what we've been lied to. Like as soon as we get here, we're taught conditional love from parents, from family, from teachers, from society. You do right, you get a cookie, ice cream maybe. You do bad, you get a spanking. Time out, sent to detention. That's conditioning. It's conditional love. It's domestication and indoctrination. Okay. We think God is that way because our parents, who are the model for God in our lives, were that way to us. So we then think God is also judging our actions, our words, our thoughts, everything. It couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is, God loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. It's so foreign to us, we don't even know what that means. It means he loves Hitler and Jesus the same. He, I don't know, see, that's just indoctrinated too. Man's world. <clears throat> it, whatever. He loves them both the same. That might be hard to hear. But it's not. I mean, it might be hard to hear. But it's not, it's the truth. Because we are source. This is an illusion. We are God. How do you not love yourself unconditionally? Because you were taught that judgment was the way of things. That conditional love was the way of things. Unconditional means judgment has no place here. What would be the need for judgment if you unconditionally loved? A judgment would mean a condition. A judgment would need, mean something needs to be met in order to get this thing. That's a condition. Morning.
thought I was on an empty road. Oh, what a beautiful view. So, the only reason you react negatively to what I'm telling you is because of what you've been taught. It's not true. How could God love Hitler the same as Jesus? Because there's no judgment. This is the matrix. It's a virtual reality game. It's not real. It never was. The experience is real when you believe it's real. And what I talked about last time is the deception begins, this virtual reality begins the minute we think we're separate from source. We're not. We're not separate. We are it. My favorite, one of my favorite lines from Rumi is, you believe you're, or no, he says, you're, you think you're a drop in the ocean, but in reality, you're the entire ocean in one drop. There is nothing outside of source. Even Hitler was connected to God. It was God. Everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. To say otherwise is to say God made a mistake. And this is what judgment does. We think we know better. We think we know better than source. You mean the thing that created everything we will ever see? It created the Andes Mountains, the Colorado Rockies, all of the oceans, all of the stars, the Milky Way, the moon, everything. <laughs> or whoever made the person who made the moon, depending on what your conspiracy theory is about that. Um, created everything, made a mistake. That's the hubris of man. That's the hubris of man. To think you know better than God. I'm smarter than source. The infinite intelligence that gave me all the intelligence that I have, I know better than. That shouldn't have happened. What's super funny is as soon as you drop judgment, like you, you think you could run the universe and do a better job, right? And that if you were running it, this would be a utopia. Guess what? As soon as you stop judgment, it is a utopia. <laughs> Let go of all judgment. Everything is perfect. This world mirrors back to us exactly what we believe. That's the game. So, 
What's the other side of the door? So when you believe in evil or create judgment that creates evil, right? Um, this is a cascading, a splintering effect of the root of money of the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil or that God would limit love it for any reason whatsoever. You believe you're separate from source. Now you have two points of space. Okay. You're not separate from source, but you believe it is, so it creates it. So now you need a relationship to God. Even though you don't need a relationship with your left kneecap, because it's a part of you. Provided that you have one. It's a part of you. So you don't need a relationship to it. But when you believe it's separate, you s- now you need a relationship to it. Like if I thought my left kneecap was alien, I would need a relationship to it. Right? So this is a, a separate point in space. And then when we label and judge anything or anyone as evil, we, we decide it doesn't belong here. So now it's a third point in space. Right? The sun, in this example let's say, is unconditionally loving light, source, infinite intelligence. We are earth, and the moon is this evil thing that we have to get rid of and get out of our existence. We do this with money when we label it as evil. We do this with anything as we label it as evil. We want to push it away from us, keep it out of our experience, so that we are not labeled evil in turn because if we judge things then god has to judge things but in reality we've adopted self-judgment and this is where the problem is <sighs> to believe you don't deserve is you labeling is the, the the weirdest thing right to say you don't deserve money or anything say you don't deserve love or whatever is to say That this is what God thinks of me. You're judging from God's perspective. You sit in the throne and judge yourself and say you don't deserve. That was the last one. The two sides of the door, that's the one between you and God. The other one is what we're going to talk about today. Not good enough. Unworthiness. That is your side of the door. This is what you judge about yourself. To say you are not worthy of money. I'm not good enough to to have money. And again, when I say money in this context, I don't mean $5 for gas. I mean millions of dollars. Riches, wealth, whatever. Let's just say a millionaire... To, to make it easier, or millions, for this example. I'm not good enough to be a millionaire. I'm not good enough, period. I am unworthy. What you're saying, essentially, is that, again, God made a mistake with you. Everything in the world might be perfect, but not you. You basically are slapping God in the face if there 
metaphorically, obviously. You're basically slapping on the face and saying, you fucked up when it came to me. You did a great job with everything else. Love the earth, love the Andes, the Rockies, the oceans, the forests, the stars. I love this whole breathing thing you got going on. The, the seasons are pretty fun. But when it came to me, you really blew it. You really fucked on that one. You fell asleep on the job there, bud. Because I'm not worthy. Who in the hell is telling you that? What part of you would tell you that you are not worthy, you're not good enough? The judge you've created. Or your parents created and you have let run wild and continue to run you. But you're basically saying that you're defective. That even though the creator of all things did such an amazing job with everything else for eternity, that you're the one blemish in all of it. Or maybe you think that there's a lot of blemishes and you're just one of them. How could cancer be a thing? Self-righteousness is so funny. We'll get there though. We're going to get there on this one. Um, okay, so you believe you're defective and that God made a mistake with you when you say you're not good enough. That's your side of the door. That's you blocking yourself from everything, including money. So when it comes to money, let's say I'm not good enough to be a millionaire. How would you know that? How could you possibly know that? I'm not good enough to be a millionaire. Why? Because you've never done it? If you ever had kids, before you ever had kids, you never had them. So were you also thinking, I'm not good enough to have kids? Or did you have a belief that maybe I could do that? Like, just because you've never done it does not mean it's not possible. I've, I've never climbed a serious mountain, right? Like, I've done some, some brutal hikes, you know, maybe, you know, some, um, but, you know, I've never climbed fucking Everest. But I guarantee you, if I put my mind to it, I could do it. If that was, if that was a calling of mine, which it's not, I could do it. I've never jumped out of a plane before is what I thought before I did it. But this whole idea that I've never done it does not make it impossible. Anything you've ever done, you, you had a before time and an after time, right? I lost my virginity. I didn't ever think uh, I could never do that. Or I'm not worthy of losing my virginity because I've never done it before. That doesn't make sense. Like, uh, literally almost every other example I try to put in here, it never fits. Except we get this crazy idea that because I've never made a million dollars, I'm 
not good enough to do it. I'm not worthy. I can't. What? What? I'm not asking you to, you know, defy gravity and start to levitate right now. Though I fully believe that if you, that there's going to be a way to do that. If you really had that calling and let go of all the beliefs that gravity was real. Like I fully believe, like I'm not asking you to do something crazy. We're just talking about money as an energy. That's all. We're talking about getting in alignment with the vibration of abundance. So much so that it comes to your experience in vast quantities. That's all we're talking about here. I'm not asking you to start flying like Superman tomorrow. And one of the ways that we block ourselves from abundance coming is believing that we're not good enough for it. That we are unworthy of it. We are putting that barrier between us and it or sources love or whatever you're saying. Anything you think you're unworthy of or not good enough for, you're putting in the barrier. You're locking that door. I'm trying to open that door, kick it down, really. So, I'm not good enough to be a millionaire. How do you know that? Because if you say, because I've never done it, have you lost your virginity? Did you think you couldn't do that? I've never eaten, you know, a 10 pound steak. Of course I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't do that. Or here, I've never eaten, you know, the world's biggest tomato. But if I really wanted to, if that called to me, I know I could do it. Like, this is the problem. I can't find another example where this makes sense. Where if you haven't done something, you believe you're not good enough. That it can't be done. It's just so bizarre. Like, we know we can do anything. Until it comes to money? I just It's very difficult to find another example. Uh, I know I couldn't, you know, like, I've never ran a four-minute mile. But I don't believe I'm not good enough to run a four-minute mile. Maybe that's, that's a little closer, actually. That's a little closer because it resonates a little bit more home. I'm not a good enough athlete at this moment, maybe. But if that was my calling, I would become that. I, I just, I don't have the barrier that thinks I can't do it. If that was my calling to run the four minute mile, I could do it. And here's what is very interesting about that example in particular, is the next thing I wanna talk about is comparing. When we say we're not good enough, not good enough is a comparison statement. Who are you comparing yourself to? I'm not good enough for true love. Compared to who? Don Juan? I don't know what the female equivalent of Don Juan is in my head right now. It'll come to me. Anyway, 
oh, uh, Gal Gadot, like a, like a super smoking hot woman that is, you know, has all the things. Like, I, she's not really a player. But anyway, whatever. That's not the point. My point is, like, who are you comparing yourself to when you say you're not good enough for something? Now, when it comes to money, I'm not good enough to be a millionaire compared to who? Like Elon Musk and them? Would you think he was comparing himself to anybody else when he's creating all this stuff? No, because he's doing stuff that's never been done before. So compared to who? Like somebody in the financial world? Let me tell you something. I've spent 10 years in the financial world. Not good enough has nothing to do with it. All of the mechanisms and strategy, that can be learned. That can be taught. That stuff is actually rather easy when you get this bullshit belief systems out of the way. That's just math. And sometimes you don't even need to know that math. All you have to do is find someone, not specifically like me because I'm not doing that anymore, but someone who you can trust that's on the same wavelength that knows all the mechanisms that will help you do all that for you, right? And if you really need help, I can point you in the right direction. But um, my point is, like, Michael Jordan, and I, don't, I actually know nothing about Michael Jordan's financial life besides the fact that he lost a half a billion dollars in a divorce. So this might not be a great example. But, like, Michael Jordan was amazing, possibly, arguably, the best basketball player of all time. And so, um, but do you think he also mastered business? No, he probably just found people that did that, right? That he trusted. So he knew people and he knew his craft. So like, I'm not good enough to be a millionaire. When it comes to the ones and zeros, you don't even need to master that. Now, obviously, I highly recommend understanding a lot of that. But if you really know people and know yourself and are mastering your calling, you don't need to know the mechanisms. Stewardship is important to learn. And I will show you that. But it's maybe 5% of everything. Like, imagine going, like, you're trying to become fit and healthy. To me, the mechanisms of the gym is like 5% of that. You can watch all these courses. You can find a personal trainer. All that stuff is just... Pick up the weight, put down the weight, make sure your posture is good, right? What really is all about getting healthy is what you think of, excuse me, what you think about yourself. Do you deserve love? Because a lot of times I notice, can you feel and communicate with your body? But a lot of times I notice people are holding on to weight as a, as a layer of armor to protect themselves from love and heartbreak. So we have to, why is it that we want to get, so many people want to get healthy, but they never stick to it because they don't know, the, they haven't cleared out the belief systems yet. Once you've cleared out the belief systems, all this great healthy stuff will show up as if by magic. You'll, you'll want to eat healthier. You know, you'll crave fruit and vegetables instead of cakes and cookies, right? Not that I don't love cake and cookies. It's just I don't eat it every day. Point being, who are you comparing yourself to?
when you say I can't be a millionaire? When you say I'm not, I'm, I'm not good enough. When you say I'm not good enough in life or just I'm not good enough compared to who? You know, I had to ask myself this. And what came up for me is some of my childhood friends. In the back of my mind and my subconscious, I've been comparing my life to theirs. Trying to beat them at some weird game. My cousins especially. I think it's because when we're younger, we're compared to one another. You know, especially if you have siblings. Or for me, like cousins that were close to siblings. Like, oh, you know, he's the smart one or he's the popular one or he's the artistic one. Those were my cousins. Like, you're, you're compared and fit into this role, right? And so comparison to other people would be the only way to think you're not good enough. If you were the only person on earth, would you be good enough? That wouldn't even be a fucking question. There's no one to compare you to. Good enough for what? That's the next thing. Good enough for what? Now it's not good enough compared to whom we move into not good enough for what? I'm not good enough for what? To be here now, because that's all you really have, right? And it, it dawns on me that I'm, I'm almost angry because this, is, this was and is my number one If you can hear the passion or anger in my voice when I talk about this. I drank for 25 years heavily because of this belief system that I wasn't good enough. And only now am I like really unraveling and letting it go. So please know that I'm not directing this at you this anger, it's really directed at me or the part of me that would believe this. So you're not good enough to be a millionaire. Compared to who? You're not good enough to be a millionaire. For what? Like, What does that mean in relationship to money? It means you're not good enough at your purpose. It's not you're not good enough at being yourself. Because how else are you supposed to be? You're not good enough at finding your highest calling. You're not good enough at connecting to source. Like all of this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And yet we walk around believing it. I did. Not, not good enough to be a millionaire. Not good enough for money. Do you know what money wants from you? Do you know its relationship to you? Do you know that you're unconditionally worthy? Do you know 
that maybe it's been waiting for you to let go of this not good enough bullshit that's blocking it? Do you know that maybe it's trying to wedge itself into your life and open these two doors of non-deserving and unworthy? Do you absolutely know what money is, what it's trying to do, and who is in control of all of it? The answer is, you are. You're the one limiting yourself from all the money you could ever want. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you to have it all. He wants you to remember who you really are, to wake up from this nightmare. To create your own reality. To take the wheel. You're the one limiting it with this belief system that I don't deserve and that I'm not good enough for it. The next thing we need to talk about is what happens when you believe you're not good enough. In general, and then I'll show you in money. Remember that law of attraction is simply pointing to the mirror reality. So if things keep showing up in your life over and over again, it means the belief system underneath it needs to be looked at. Alright? So what happens when I believe I'm not good enough? Period. One of the major things that happens, if you feel this unworthiness in your life, you feel inferior to other people all of the time. Because you're not good enough. So everybody else is good enough, and you're not. Apologies, I... found a road that looks completely empty. Until right now. Um, I'll duck into this neighborhood if I can. So, oh, I don't know if I can look into this neighborhood. Uh, well, I can a little bit. All right. So, here's what happens in reality when you believe you're not good enough. You feel inferior to everyone. Which, for me, meant that I needed validation constantly. I still have this thing to work on myself. I need validation all of the time. And I do that, my major way to get validation, which is to get love and to be seen, is to, through achievement. Through, so, you know, I was always head of the class, honor roll. Um, I uh, excelled in school. Um, and then, you know, everything I did, I had to be the best at, right? I had to master it, which is great. I mean, it, it served a purpose, but 
it was coming from a place of uh, unworthiness, not from a place of, you know, I can do this and I want to be a master. So, like, even back when I was an electrician, I won competitions and, you know, became one of the youngest uh, electrical contractors in, in, the, in the union and all this stuff. And, uh, and then, of course, on and on and on. I'm not going to list my achievements. But on and on and on, I always had to be the best. You know, I always had to be the, the best. And so that achievement was to give me some feed, positive feedback for validation because I felt not good enough. Right? And then what I would also do and what I see a lot of people doing, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. When you feel inferior to other people, and this is a, I see it because I spend so much time, or have spent, it's been a while. Well, it's been a couple months, I guess, because I've spent, I mean, because of COVID, but anyway, it doesn't matter. So, like, when I spend a lot of time around rich people who are constantly striving for more money and they're showing off their toys, right? They brag. It's because they feel inferior and because they need that validation. So, when you feel inferior, you're going to brag about the stuff you have so that you get feedback and validation. You know, I was watching this show in a garbage TV just to unplug for a little bit. And uh, this chick was just super uh, pompous and um, she was just portraying uh, a rich woman who was just always showing off like, oh, this is you know, my ring. And they were name drop. She was name dropping. And then she was talking about, you know, palaces and the house and all these stuff. And it's like, oh, you, you, I just see it as you feel, oh, you feel inferior. So you need stuff to make you feel superior. But it doesn't work that way because it never fills the void. Right? Because the external world is not going to fix the internal world. So, you, have to, some, you think you have to feel this unworthiness feeling with stuff. So that you finally get, an, you get the attaboy from your parents or from, you know, your friends or whatever. You're trying to beat the game. Trying to win the game of I'm the best because you feel inferior. Because you feel not good enough. And on top of that, you might tear people down, right? You try to make yourself feel better than. It's, a, it's, a, it's an overcompensation. Think about this. If you really felt yourself as equal to everyone, you felt the love of source energy all the time, and you were... Constantly in the vibration, there's always enough. Why would you feel better than anyone else? On top of that, why would you tear anybody else down? People tearing each other down is an overcompensation for inferiority or not good enough on unworthiness. Because only from the down position would you want to bring other people down to you or try to put yourself above them. That's an overcompensation. 
You're just trying to get to equal footing because you feel inferior. I did this all the time. It was super interesting. Not that I tore people down all the time, but in my mind I would. And I'll show you how people do it with the rich all the time or with money in, in, in particular. <clears throat> so I would have this belief that I'm not good enough simultaneously that I'm better with it than everybody else. It's like a hidden arrogance. A secret arrogance. So that I, they were, it was, tr the secret arrogance was trying to compensate for the inferiority. So in my mind, I would tear people down. I, I usually didn't let it come out of my mouth. But in my mind, I would tear others down. And I did this a lot with the rich back in the day. I still see people do it constantly. You know, it's the 1%. It's these greedy corporations. It's, um, you know, even if you find somebody who's truly coming from abundance, like Elon Musk, he'll still get torn down because it, he triggers people's inferiority. Oh, he's probably, yeah, you see people like that, but I guarantee you know he's watching child pornography or something like that's your own inferiority speaking. That's your own not good enough bullshit talking. You don't know him. You don't know his existence. You don't know why he was here. Or what what his, his purpose here on, is on earth. Right? But we do this all of the time because of our own not good enough. Anytime you tear anyone else down, most of the time, unless they remind you of someone that triggers you, or you see something in them that you don't like. Most of the time when we're tearing down, it's because we feel not good enough and they feel superior to us. But you are unwittingly giving up your own power. So when it comes to money, if you ever tear down a rich person, a wealthy person, an abundant person, somebody has supposedly more than you do, you need to check your unworthiness. You need to check the fact that you're not good enough. Why would you do that? What is the belief underneath causing that situation? What would I have to believe about myself to tear someone else down and their money? What would I have to believe about myself to tear down money, period, and label it as evil? And label it as the root of all evil? What would I have to believe about myself? I would have to believe that I'm not God... And that if I was, I would destroy this thing called money. I would have to believe that it has power over me. I don't have power over it. I was working with someone, this is a year ago now. She's like, I just hate money. I'm like, oh, well, there's, that's a trigger. Let's, let's dig that in. Let's dig into that. Right? Why would you hate it? Did it kill your family or something? Like, <laughs> you hate it because you think it has control over you. And it has control over you because you think you're inferior. You think you're not good enough. And then money has all the power. Next. Where does this shit come from? It comes from our parents. No matter how much you loved your parents 
or still do. I don't mean love like past tense. It's not a... stoppage of anything. I have a theory. The theory is this. Would you ever tell a child they're not good enough? Most of you would say no. But yet we do it every day. I want you to think, imagine you going back to school. Not like your high school, but let's say you're going back to like community college or taking a night class or something. And the teacher asks a question, maybe puts it on the board. You raise your hand, eager to answer. You answer and the teacher says no. Wrong. <clears throat> what triggers you? What, what does that feel like? It feels like you made a mistake in your thinking. And in most of us, instead of taking that as a positive feedback, we take it personally to mean we're not good enough. We, can, we need to do better. We need to be better. Be smarter. We don't take it as a, oh no, um, actually it's this, but I see how you got there with that train of thought. All you have to do is tweak this, bam, and you're good. We take it as, you're a fucking idiot. We take it personal. We take it as an attack on our character and our intelligence. Now, think about a child. If you would do that now in an adult class, think about a child before the age of four or whatever, seven. I would say easily that by the time an average child is seven years old, they've been told, no, don't do that, stop that, get away from that. 10,000 times. Wrong answer. What if, my theory is, what if every time a child hears no, don't do that? You're wrong. Don't feel that way. Don't look that way, don't think that way, don't say those things. What they hear is, I'm not good enough. How, could, how else could you interpret it? What would be the only point of hearing, no, don't do that? It would be like a correction in my behavior so that I could become better because right now I'm not good enough.
we wonder why this is such a prevailing belief that blocks wealth, that blocks source, that blocks love. Because by the time we're seven, we've heard it 10,000 times that we're not good enough. This is pre-programmed into almost every human being on the earth. So of course you don't think you're good enough. Because you've been taught conditional love. Of course you don't think you're good enough. When it comes to money or anything else or getting in shape or whatever. It's what you've been taught. So many times so that it's just an internal mantra. At this point. You heard it so much that you just believe it. Think about this. If you have kids, why would you tell them no? Play it out. Like, what if instead of saying no, you said the reason why they shouldn't do that? No, don't go near the hot stove because I'm afraid you're going to get burned. Don't say those words out loud because I'm afraid of the embarrassment. Don't play with knives. Don't run with scissors because I'm afraid you're going to trip and fall and stab yourself through the heart. Don't make a scene in the toy aisle at Walmart because I'm afraid of what other people are going to think of me. Don't do bad in school because I'm afraid of how your life's going to turn out based on your grades. I challenge every parent. To speak out loud the reason why you say no, don't do that. Communicate to the child as if they were an adult and say why. Don't be rude because I'm afraid that that habit will stick with you and no one will love you. And what you're going to realize is every time you say no, almost every time, it has to do with your own fears. What if instead you were just like, hey bud, or, or you know, my loving child? Here's what the possible consequences are for that. If you're rude, the possibility is people won't like you. Maybe, maybe not. But if you're kind, possibly people will like you. That might actually start a dialogue. Well, why do I care about people liking me? Oh, uh, hmm, why do you care about people liking me? Uh, it could make life easier. Easier than what? Like, see the dialogue that starts? But no, we shut, we shut kids down with just saying no. Mommy, can I have this toy? No. Or the best, we can't afford it. What the fuck does that mean? I would love to give you that toy, 
However, our finances are limited right now. I could show you how to make your own money to get the toy, which opens up an amazing conversation. Or I could show you how to vibrate into abundance, which also opens some amazing conversation. And there's multiple ways to get that toy, not stealing. There's multiple ways to get that toy, right? Outside of money. Or if you say, I'm not going to get you that toy because I'm going to spend money on it. And in five minutes, you're going to be bored with it. So you're not as valuable as the, five, as the money it takes to buy that toy and your five minutes of happiness. Play with fucking rocks. That's what we do. That's what we do. We treat children like we know better, just like we treat God like we know better. And yet, we have more problems on the earth, more suffering, more drugs, more alcohol than ever before. And we think we know better? No, we know what we were taught. And that shit just keeps rolling downhill. This is generations, thousands of years of generations of bullshit. To unravel the beliefs, to take back your worthiness, to take back your rightful place in abundance, in unconditional love of source, we have to let go of all of these limiting beliefs and we have to know that everybody did the best they could. I really believe that this generation, my generation, if not mine, the one after mine, whatever, not proceeding, whatever is opposite of proceeding, that they are here to unravel all these beliefs. They show us that this isn't working. This whole three, two house white picket fence is gonna make me happy shit ain't working. Why are we still believing it? That the money's gonna buy happiness. No, it's not. Why are we still believing it? Our kids are here to show us. This ain't working no more. And we need to change this paradigm fast. Or we destroy the earth with it. Something to think about, but I want you to know one last thing. There is nothing you could ever do, say, or feel that would stop your unworthiness. I'm sorry, your worthiness. You are unconditionally worthy all of the time. Nothing will ever stop that. You are good enough. There's only one you. You're good enough to be you. My unconditional love to you. Thank you for listening. I hope it helped. We're just different waves on the same ocean. Different clouds in the same sky.